I'm Crystal. And I'm Sheena. And this is the Lifestyle of the Weird and Interesting Podcast. Conversations you won't find in Life's Handbook. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for a brand new episode of the Lifestyle of the Weird and Interesting Podcast. Today, we are talking about Akashic Records. And we've done a little bit of research. Sheena is definitely going to know a lot more than I will. I did very minimal research. And I actually haven't heard about Akashic Records. I think in in the last year I've heard about it. So this is going to be a good one. Um, We just wanted to kindly remind you, if you're enjoying our podcast, please rate, review, like, subscribe, all the things. It really helps us out and it lets us know what episodes you're really enjoying that we put out there and possibly what you want us to talk more about. So if we get feedback from you, we'll definitely take it into consideration and we want to hear from you as well for your thoughts and feelings and stories about some of our episodes. Yeah, for sure. And it helps us reach a wider audience, which is always great. So yeah, yeah, I am so excited to talk about the Akashic Records. I can't wait. (laughs) I'll go first because I have like two words on my paper. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So when I was taking notes really quickly, the first two questions I thought of was what are Akashic records and how do you access them? Because between you and a couple of our friends who have mentioned Akashic records, I kind of have an idea but I still have no idea. So I did some quick Google searching and I found an interview through goop.com, which, you know, I will preface, do your own research. We are just, you know, we're just winging it here. We're seeing what fits and we're sharing it with you all. And we're also having a conversation with ourselves. So do your own research. But I went to goop.com and there was an interview in last year, 2022, with Ashley Wood. I guess she does this for a living and she gives readings and can channel other people's Akashic records. So they interviewed her and basically through breathwork and movement practice, you can access the Akashic records and also the pathway prayer, which has to do with vibrational frequency. And that has to do with just like your body's natural vibration. And if you, I guess, get in tune with whatever the sound is, it's easier to access, you know, in your mind and through meditation and stuff like that. There was a book that's referenced in this article. It's How to Read Akashic Records by Linda Howe. And that was written, I think, in 97, I believe. It's listed in the article, which will be in our show notes and in our blog page. And from the little that I know about Akashic Records, you can access your past lives and you, in some cases, I guess, can access the time your soul was created, which that's deep. Um, so that's basically the notes I have. Sheena, what do you have to share with us today? <laughs> yes and no to everything you just said. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what this actually is. So I think to understand really what this is, we need to understand two things. The first, we need to understand the history, right? We need to know where this comes from and what it is. Because I feel like if we don't understand those key pieces, we're really just trying to make sense of something that 
can't make sense without that, right? Yeah. And then secondly, I think we need to understand a little bit about dimensions, which is where I am so excited to deep dive. I've been obsessed with this stuff since I was a kid. So this is my jam. So firstly, let's talk a little bit about the history. The origin of the Akashic Records comes from ancient Sanskrit texts. And these date way, way back thousands of years. They're very, very old. The Hindu word Akasha actually translates to mean upper sky, which is kind of interesting, right? Or like the cosmos or the heavens. And there is like a whole series about the Akashic Records and a couple of episodes on Gaia. And I will link to those so that you can watch them if you want to do more research. Um, one of my favorite people who talks about the Akashic Records and does a lot of training in that area and also reads for a living is Laura Coe. And she's amazing. She has a really great setup for it. And ultimately, I think anybody can access their own Akashic Record, right? Like that's, that's the coolest thing about this. Like you don't have to go to someone else to do this. But if you have a hard time going into like the meditation space or dropping out of your what we'll call monkey mind, the thinking egoic brain, if you have a hard time dropping out of that and into a state of peace, it's going to be a lot harder for you to get to that place, right? Mm hmm the Akashic records were introduced to Western culture in the mid 1800s by a woman named Helena Blavatsky. She was the co-founder of the Theosophical Society and they believed that the Akasha was the primordial substance that included all vital forces. She never refers to the Akashic records explicitly, but she did speak often of indestructible tablets of astral light that were used to record the actions and thoughts of an individual throughout the past and future. So it's not just your past. It's also mm -hmm. all the possible futures, right? Yeah, there was something in the article about how it's every emotion decision and consequence it could be mistaken it's in the article but mm -hmm. something like that that's logged in the akashic records mm -hmm. so I, I can see that it's all of your thoughts feelings and intents so whatever's in your heart when you make a decision that's what gets recorded there so this is basically from from my perspective like coming from a semi-religious background uh, it's like God consciousness, right? That it records the intent of the person at the time when they make the decision. Mm -hmm. And and when we talk about God in like a biblical sense, he's always described as being omniscient and omnipotent and knowing all things, right? right? And the only thing that I can think of that makes sense to me personally is the Akashic Records, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's recording everything that ever happened or ever could happen or all of those things. And we'll kind of dive into that a little bit more here in a minute. A lot of people do hold the belief that you have the option to work on your own record. And I also hold that belief. I don't think you have to go through an external source. And part of the reason for that is just because the version of spirituality that I have cultivated for myself is that you don't have to look externally for anything. It all mm -hmm. comes from within the self, right? If you don't feel like that's valid, that's totally fine. And I, 
I have no problem with somebody holding an opposite belief. Like we've talked about in some of the other episodes, that's totally fine if that works for you. So it's also believed that this is the record of your soul, meaning all of the existences. And and this is where you kind of get into that space of like, what is a past life, right? Mm -hmm. Past life or parallel life or, you know, like how do we want to quantify what this existence would be? And I I personally gravitate more toward the theory of a parallel mm -hmm. than a past because parallel when you look at the dimensional breakdown it makes a lot more sense to me but i mean like again to each their own i'm totally okay if somebody wants to believe something different you don't have to go looking externally for information you carry it in your eternal present moment and this comes to us from yogic principles mm -hmm. everything you need you already have if you can be present in your current moment that's one of the ways that I like to look at it. The best way to realize what your own record is, is to level up and become the vibration of your soul. So that's kind of what I think you're talking about in that uh, article that you were uh, referencing is yeah. that they're talking about this vibration that you need to reach, right? And there are yeah. steps that you can take to get there, but there's not really a wrong way to do it. Yeah. At least in my experience, there's not a wrong way to do it. I have, I am attuned to Reiki. We've kind of touched on that a little bit before. I'm attuned to it at the master level. I've done some work with it. And I believe that within that, we do a lot of work. There's a symbol in Reiki that does work for future and past. And it's it's not constrained by our observation of time in our world, right? Mm -hmm. And with that i believe that what's actually happening is that you're tuning into that frequency you're accessing the akashic records and that's why a lot of times when i go into session i mean you and i have had this conversation quite a bit when i go into a session with someone often not always but often something will come up and i'll be like mm -hmm. oh okay well there's a person or a place or like a sense of something that's happening here and we have to discuss this like we have to we have to address whatever's coming up in the beginning when i first started practicing i would not say it because i was afraid that someone would think i was crazy mm -hmm. so i would withhold that from that experience i've learned that i'm actually preventing other people from stepping forward like in their mm -hmm. own path so now if something comes up i'm like this makes no sense to me but i'm just going to tell you what i'm seeing or what i'm smelling or experiencing here because often times it is tied somehow to either your akashic records or your ancestors mm -hmm. and that's the one thing that always comes up in a session like i just did a session yesterday and we had we had several ancestors and there were there were some uh experiences that came through that i was like okay mm -hmm. well this is you know these things are tied to what you're experiencing right now mm -hmm. and um for the first time ever in a session by the end of the session i felt like i was going to pass out like it wow. was really intense. So I don't know if that was the experience of Reiki. I don't know if like, maybe I didn't eat enough that day. I don't think that's the case because I track all my food, but but I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like I had drank a ton of water and the only thing that made sense was that that was just a really intense session. You're also channeling, like you're putting your energy out there and a lot yeah. of like psychics or mediums, sorry, psychics is not the right word. A lot of mediums that I follow, I mean, when they give readings, like their energy is completely drained. So yeah. it makes total sense that you would be working on someone because you're also vibing with their energy. You're vibing right. with those that are coming through. So it's just a lot of like 
mental, emotional, and like energetic, like stimulation almost. You yeah, know? it is. And like your battery's just going to run out. So it makes sense to me, but you know, and to be fair, own. like it's been a minute since I've done like a mm -hmm. full session like that. So it probably yeah. was just that I'm out of practice, but, um, yeah, it was really intense and we had a lot of stuff come through and that happens often. But some of that I think is because like I've taken some classes on how to access the Akashic oh. records. And so then, then we're in this space, like personally for me that I am, I'm already attuned to this frequency through Reiki, but now I'm accessing it because I've learned how to access it. Right. So like you can do those things independently, but once you know, both of them, they kind of overlap. And then right. you get into this space where where it's happening simultaneously, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of really interesting stuff that happens there. So that's kind of the history of it. So the belief is that the Akashic records exist in what would be described as the eighth dimension. And this is interesting to me because eight in Buddhism is uh it's a special number and in a lot of other traditions as well if you take the eight and you tip it on its side it's infinity mm -hmm. so it it has significance in that sense eights also symbolize like in tarot they often symbolize a call to action or mm -hmm. an access of a new kind of empowerment right mm -hmm. so if we were looking at eight of pentacles it's usually would be something where it's calling you into paying attention to the earth element and how that shows up in your life, right? Because pentacles represent the eight element or the earth element. And then you have the eight, which is that call mm -hmm. to action. So depending on everything else that's there with it, obviously, like there's a lot of avenues we can go down with that. But but for now, like we'll use that as a, a simple placeholder. The description of the dimensions. This is the part that really kind of knocked my socks off. Like I was reading about it yesterday and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's I'm dive in. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so the first dimension would be length. This is represented by a straight line on a piece of paper. That's the first dimension. It's only one measurement. And I believe that most people consider the first dimension to be thought. I think that it's like sentience, like animals that, you know, are sentient. I think that that's what the first dimension is, if I remember correctly. I'm calling back on the information through the law of one. And and if I remember correctly, that's, I think, or maybe it's pre-sentience. Like, I think the first dimension in that book is represented by rocks and dirt and like things that don't have a consciousness, right? So the second dimension, this is where you get a shape. This is like a circle or a square, something flat, but it has height and length. And this is where, this is where like sentience comes in and then we start dealing with emotion. Third dimension, this, this gives us depth. So this would be a cube or a cylinder, any object that can hold a volume of something else. And third dimension is kind of where we really start seeing like a lot of emotion show up. We're getting into like the deeper end of sentience. So fourth dimension is time. And this governs the properties of all known matter. It allows us to plot an object position in the universe and the interactions with other objects. So this is this is kind of where like 
our world exists in theory is mm -hmm. is that fourth dimension space because we have we have length we have height we have depth and then we also have time and we observe that right we observe yeah. that through like the sun moving around the earth we observe that through um, our loved ones as they grow up and get older we observe that in a lot of different ways we observe that with our pets you know things like that fourth dimension from what i remember is where and and like i said i'm calling on the law of one here and like i don't remember it super great because it's been almost a year since i read it and there's only room for so much stuff in my brain so oh, for <laughs> some sure. of the older stuff kind of gets pushed out if you haven't read that book i highly suggest that you go read it it is kind of difficult to get through because it is an interview style book mm -hmm. but if you are familiar with the work of dolores cannon or anybody in those kind of veins you'll be familiar with that style of writing and it'll be a little bit easier to get through so now we're going to look at the fifth dimension super string theory tells us that if we could see through to the fifth dimension we would see a world only slightly different from our own and this gives us the means of measuring similarity and difference between our world and the possibilities outside of that so it really just is like a reference point right yeah but in the spiritual community, the fifth dimension is, that's like universal love. Oh. So when we step into that space, that's why everybody's like, oh, 5D, 5D. Like if you follow anybody on Instagram or TikTok or anywhere that's, you know, into like spiritual stuff, they're going to be talking about like ascension symptoms and all of this stuff. And it's going to be mostly discussing the fifth dimension because our world as it is right now exists in the fourth. Mm -hmm. But there is a belief that at some point in our near future, we're going to be transcending that and moving into a fifth dimension space. And honestly, like looking at the world the way it is now, I have a very hard time sometimes seeing that progression take place, right? It's mm -hmm. really hard to see that a future where the world is quite different from how it is now. But I almost wonder if that's why things are so contentious right now, right? It could be. I could see how it's. it definitely would be hard to see a future that way, but I also think things might have to like explode in order to start yeah. anew, and I feel like that's kind of where we're at in our world, which is scary, but I'm hopeful that we can get to a place that's full of love because that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the belief in the spiritual community for the fifth dimension is that we love unconditionally, like mm -hmm. no matter what, no matter what's going on. And we don't observe others as being separate from the self. Mm -hmm. We observe others as an extension of the self. Like we're all made of the same stuff, right? right. Every mm -hmm. human has the same stuff inside of them. And I listened to a podcast the other day and one of my favorite people to listen to that speaks to this topic is Dr. Zach Bush. And I'll put a link to the podcast I was listening to because he covers this subject really well. He was talking about uh, not losing the self. And this is so interesting because he's, he's a doctor like he's studied internal medicine he's been uh he's been working with the gut he does a lot of work with uh he did hospice care for a number of years where mm -hmm. he was like you know taking care of people as they are leaving this world and things like that and he said the one thing that he has observed like he's even delivered babies so like this guy mm -hmm. has seen beginning to end right and everything in between he said the one thing that he has observed is that our world the way it is right now everyone's looking externally for 
the answer to the problem when really it lies within the self. And he said, as you come out of the fear paradigm and the external definition of self and you become you, then your guide is yourself, your highest self. And that being expressed, that makes you happy and alive today with a self-identity, which is pretty bizarre. You wake up every morning knowing exactly who you are and you don't ever get confused thinking that you're someone else no matter how much food, places, experience, or genetic makeup you share with these other people. You just keep being yourself. Yeah. And he said the coolest thing was that he had been there, you know, working in the emergency room and doing chest compressions on someone and they lose them. And he said the soul goes somewhere. Right. And then it comes back. And when it comes back, it's never confused that it's someone else. It's still the same person. So there's yeah. something to that soul essence that's being observed by people who get to see the beginning, end, and everything in between, right? Right. That's kind of fascinating to me. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we're going to look at the sixth dimension. And the sixth dimension is possibility. Through mastering this dimension, time travel becomes reality. Mm -hmm. So we, we would be able to time travel in sixth dimension through comparing all of the possibilities that begin with the same conditions as our current universe in existence. So that would be every possible timeline for your current self right now. Mm. And that's where like the beginning of time travel would start in theory. And again, we're talking about super string theory here, which is something that is very vast and very <laughs> complex. Like you would really have to do a lot of research to fully comprehend this. And I, like I said, I've been obsessed with this stuff since I was a kid. Mm. I love reading about it. And I still like, I don't have a grasp on what that even means. Like I was writing some of this down. And I was like, what the hell? Like, how do you even... <laughs> a conversation about this stuff you know i just wonder where this stuff all comes from like observation i guess like is yeah. it true like who made this up who discovered it like what how do yeah. we know what it all means that's just i just it's a lot <laughs> well and i wonder too if you know this this theory of spiritual belief that you know, being trapped by the fourth dimension, like not being able to see into the fifth. I wonder if that's the limitation, right? Like, yeah. is that why we can't observe this the way that we need to? Mm -hmm. Do we have to take that step into the next level before right. we can really understand what's happening here, right? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so seventh dimension, this is an expansion on the sixth. It now allows the possibilities beginning with only different conditions and circumstances. So this is the other side of that same coin. Okay. So it would be only circumstances that are different than the formation of our universe. So it would be all of the alternate timelines. Right. Like alternate reality type situation. Yeah, pretty much. Or this could also be like, this could be your parallel, right? This is your parallel existence because it's not the same as this one. Mm -hmm. But I think that those can take place in both the sixth or seventh. So now we've reached the eighth. So the eighth dimension is all possibility. It's infinite, it's endless, and the options are completely open. This is where it's believed that the Akashic records would exist. Okay. Is there in this realm of infinite possibility. So then there are two more dimensions after that that they have theorized. The oh. first is the ninth dimension, and this is the comparison of all the possible universes and histories beginning with all the different possible laws and conditions. 
So that's the comparison of like seven, six, seven, and eight, like mm -hmm. comparing them against each other, right? And in the law of one, they talk about ninth dimension being essentially the end of the path. And that book is really interesting because they also talk about these people, or I guess maybe not people, these beings that come from like the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth dimension back to this three and four D world that we live in. And they're here to raise the vibration of the planet so that more people can take a step into that next level. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's very co complex and it's very <laughs> confusing. And I'm trying really hard to remember all of it, but um, I am also willing to be wrong. So, <laughs> okay. So then we have the 10th dimension, dimension and that is everything that is possible and imaginal. So everything from the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th are an absolute must in order for string theory to even exist. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's this theory based on all of these concepts, which is wild. <laughs> this is a lot. I don't even... I does not compute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, and then I wrote down what I said earlier. The Akashic Records are a collection of all human events, thoughts, words, actions, and intentions. And this includes past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. So every option. Because if you remember, it, the eighth dimension is all possibilities. Right. So that yeah. would house everything. But this is why I think it also would hold the incarnation of your soul right mm -hmm. oh so definitely this is, this is like your record of everything you've ever experienced and one of the things that they talk about a lot in the law of one is that coming here to this third and fourth dimension reality there is a veil of forgetting and we make that agreement knowing that there's a chance we're going to forget and that we're not going to remember what we came here for yeah i yeah. believe that and I think that that tracks, right? I mean, and, and in most faiths, that is a recurring theme, that there is a veil of forgetting. I mean, we talk about it in like Christian faiths. I believe that it's present somewhat in Buddhism. You know, it shows up as the egoic self. That's what the veil is because we have this thing and, and the ego is not the enemy ultimately, right? Like the ego is here. It, it does a great job because it's just trying to keep you alive. That's its purpose. Yeah. But we're in a situation now where as a civilization, at least Western civilization, like survival in the sense of what the ego was designed for is not necessarily a part of day-to-day -day life. Right. Right. Unless you live in like a really tough area. There are a lot of places that do still, you know, have that element as the day-to-day -day life type thing. Like if you live in... I don't know if you live in like California, you're probably going to brush up against this a little bit more because there's mm -hmm. a lot of humans there that are making choices that are not great for the greater whole. Right. Right. It's just that like constant, um, like constant threats in your immediate environment. So yeah. that's where that survival and protection like for yourself comes from. Yeah, for sure. And I don't mean to sound insensitive toward that in any way because what i'm describing here is actually survival in the sense of like not having 
a place where you live, not having access to food, not having access to clean water. And, mm -hmm. and there are places in the world that definitely do have that as a part of their day-to-day -day life, right? Like places in yeah. Africa, places in the Middle East, there are places in Siberia that, that these are all a reality for these people. So for sure. I do realize like I'm, I'm speaking about this thing from a perspective that I've not experienced, but I, yeah. I do want to shine light on that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and this comes from back in like human days, like when early human stages where right. that, that's where that sense of protect yourself, the ego, like that's where that comes from because it is a way to, yeah protect yourself from outside threats. Right. And right. I mean, coming from a place of just having a lot of anxiety, like I'm always in panic mode, but mm -hmm. it's over the stupidest things. And I know it's not life threatening, but your mind and body almost like tricks you into yeah. thinking like, this is the biggest deal in the world. Like you're in danger, but you're really not. And I think that in today's world, as far as like Western society, like that's where a lot of us like are in therapy to try mm -hmm. to to manage that in the society that we live in today. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, it does. And and I think that that expands beautifully on what I was saying because mm -hmm. what I'm getting at is exactly that. Like we in the Western world, a lot of us don't live in that state of survival all the time. Yeah. And because our bodies are designed for that, anxiety exists. Right. Yeah. Like like your ego doesn't have anything to do. And so it makes up these scenarios of things that may never happen and freak you out over things. And then your body is in a sustained period of fight or flight. Right. Right. And, right. and that also speaks to like people who have, who have gone through like prolonged periods of trauma. Yeah. been through that, then calm, you know, a peaceful moment is not going to feel calm for you. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. have been through things like that, you're most likely going to seek out those things that continue to stimulate whatever that is in your body because that's what feels normal. Right. And that's that's where I think things get so complicated. But there again, I'm like wondering, are we at that boiling point? Mm -hmm. you know, like right before we grow past whatever this thing is and we transcend it and become something different. And that's, that's the thing that like Dr. Zach Bush was talking about. He's talking about like, what does this new world look like? Because at the last, one of the last extinction periods we had was the dinosaurs, right? Yeah. So we had these massive creatures wandering around the earth. The earth had 30 feet of topsoil mm -hmm. and it could sustain these giant animals because it was growing all the nutrients that it needed. Yeah. And now here we are, you know, as human beings existing later in this world where now we have flowering plants, right? We have birds, we have like reptiles, we have diversity across all of them, like through the plants and through the animals, but our topsoil level is almost nothing. Right. And he goes into a discussion about what victory gardens were because they knew through watching the the Russian army fight against the Third Reich, they beat them. And the reason that they beat them is because they had consistent access to food that they were growing themselves on peasant farms. But the Third Reich couldn't hold up because they had 3,000 miles between where their food was coming from and where it needed to go to feed these people. And they couldn't sustain the attack on the Russians because they didn't have access to that. If they interrupt that food supply, they have no food and they're going yeah. to die. So, you know, like 
ultimately, I think the movement there is to start growing as much of your own food as you can or like shop local, go to a farmer's market, try to get something new. Really, we want like diversity. Diversity is yeah. is the answer to a lot of things. And it's also the answer to a lot of the gut health issues that we're seeing in the world right now, because we do have this issue of anxiety, which impacts the gut, but yeah. we also have no diversity. So on and on about freaking government control over like our foods and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I really, once I get a house, I mean, I could probably do it now, but like once I get a house, I really want a garden and I really yeah. want to plant my own food because one, like food's expensive, seeds are inexpensive. Mm -hmm. And also you just don't know what they're putting in our food. You don't yeah. know what's going to affect you later. Like I, I talked to you about this before, but I just recently learned like seed oils are not natural and seed mm -hmm. oils are in everything. Yeah. Like, they are in everything. And my stomach is so sensitive to like sunflower oil. And that's a recent in the last few years discovery be through process of elimination. And yeah. Yeah, you just don't know what they're putting in your food. So, it, it, and you can sustain if you can sustain yourself and not rely on anybody else. Like you're winning. You're already ahead of yeah, the game, for sure. I mean, uh, when we moved to where we are now, we knew like we had access to land, which is great. We bought my husband's childhood home. It has about an acre of land, which is amazing except that we live, you know, borderline desert. So there's not always water. And that's always the challenge is that we're trying to work against the access of water that we have and trying to conserve as much as possible, but also grow as much of our own that we can. And honestly, it just got to a point that it was not manageable anymore. So that's always going to be an issue. You know, when you build a house or you buy a house somewhere, you're going to have to figure out the water situation and and yes seeds are cheap but there is a labor involved right yeah. but it's almost like a labor of love and the thing that's mm -hmm. really cool about it is when you take a teaspoon of dirt like really good soil there are more bacteria in that teaspoon of dirt than there are humans existing on the planet wow right that's mm -hmm. incredible and it doesn't take a lot to make really good dirt, right? I mean, if you have, if you can get chickens or rabbits, mm -hmm. you can make good dirt really, mm -hmm. really easy. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. And we can probably cover that on another episode of like, you know, self-sustaining and all of that stuff. But that's one thing too that I've learned as well is like, like gut health stuff, like, I've not been able to have gluten for about a year and a half. And when I do eat it, it does make me pretty sick. I've learned that activated charcoal helps a lot with that, oh. which is pretty interesting. But yeah, like gluten, for whatever reason, it just, it, it's it's really rough. And I think a lot of people probably don't even realize that they have a sensitivity to it. And yeah. the biggest reason that I think there's a sensitivity to it is because we spray wheat with glyphosate to dry it out before harvest. Mm -hmm. So we're eating glyphosate. Ugh. And glyphosate has been linked. That's what's in Roundup. That's been linked to cancer, like Ugh. directly. So, you know, like we're eating this stuff and like you don't know what's going in your food. You don't know what preservatives are. The FDA, like I think initially maybe there was some good intention there, but they don't have the bandwidth to monitor all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. You have the burden of checking on that. Absolutely. No. The consumer has the burden of researching and, 
you know, some people don't care and more power to you, but I'm trying to live to a good, nice old age, not too old, (laughs) but I don't want to die young either. And I don't want to die of cancer or, you know, whatever. So yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. So, so back to the Akashic record. Yeah. That was a long segue. Thanks for sticking with that one. Just circle uh, back. <laughs> just circle back. Full circle. <laughs> so the Akashic Records, there are people who would say, do your own internal work before you start diving into this. Yeah. I think that that precaution comes from a good place. If you get into that space, how is that helpful? You know, like if you're if you're not willing to do your own inner work, whatever you learn there is not going to be beneficial. Right. True. I do have a question too that came up when you were first describing Akashic records. So can you believe in accessing the Akashic records if you don't believe in past lives? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that it's necessary to believe in like a past existence or a parallel existence in order to do work with the Akashic records. You can certainly unlock whatever you need to for yourself right now. And I think the really cool thing about accessing them is like, say if I were to access yours, I'm not going to see anything that you don't want me to see. Uh You have ultimate control over what comes through. Oh, and okay. that's what's really cool. Um, a lot of other like spirit work does not have that like disclaimer, right? That end cap mm-hmm. on there that says like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to see all of your dirty laundry if I go in and start looking at your stuff and like poking around. But you're, yeah. you're not going to see anything like ultimately the person whose record you're accessing has control. Okay. And that's really cool. Like that, yeah. that gives me a lot of peace of mind, especially about accessing someone else's because I don't want to like invade anybody's privacy or see something that they don't want me to see. And the thing that I've experienced with accessing them is that it's not always cut and dry. Oftentimes when you go into that space and you're accessing somebody else's information, what you're seeing or experiencing, it's kind of like a metaphor for whatever's going on or mm-hmm. It becomes like, it's not, I don't know. It's hard to describe. (laughs) It's not very often that I don't know how to talk about something, but this is really hard for me. It's hard to describe. Like it's, it's very different for everybody too. Like, so for me, I'm super visual, right? When I meditate, when I go into Reiki, when I'm in the Akashic records, when I'm in like the plant medicine space, like all of that stuff, I'm super, super visual. Mm -hmm. That's, that's kind of my thing now, apparently. Um, that's not always been how my life was. <laughs> I just love how you said that. That's my thing now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a time in my life where like I wasn't, you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can imagine things. Like I've always been really good at like daydreaming or whatever, right? Like no issues there. But but now like I'm seeing things I have never experienced for myself. So right. example, yesterday in this Reiki session, I was standing in a place. I've never seen this place. And, and mind you, like up until this point in my life, I have not traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. I've only been to places that are very near where I live with a handful of exceptions. I've been to a couple of states near me. I've been, I went to Vancouver once, like 
just a couple of things. And they're really not that far from home. And none of them are like the place that I saw. So what I saw was like these really tall trees. And they kind of looked like palm trees, but not really. They were different. There were birds. I remember there were birds, like big-ish. Not big like an eagle, but like substantial birds. Bright colors. It was just hot. Like all I could feel, like I felt like I was going to just like, I was profusely sweating. Right. And even like in session, like my physical body, not what I'm observing, but my physical body is just sweating. And that is not normal for me. Mm-hmm. Like even if I do an intense workout, it takes a lot for me to get sweaty. Yeah. But here in this place, like I felt like I just couldn't stop sweating. Like I was just sweating the whole time. And I'm explaining this to the person that I'm doing Reiki with. They told me that they have a grandma that was from Puerto Rico. Oh. And I was like, okay, that kind of would track with the heat, but I don't know that that explains the trees. Yeah. Right. And the birds, because I've never been there. I have no idea what that place is like. So, mm-hmm. so I'm just describing the best that I can. But that often happens when mm-hmm. I'm in session with someone that I will see a place that I've never been. And it's almost like I'm seeing their memory. So, I have another friend that I've done Reiki on multiple times. And the first time, she was my first client ever. And the first time I ever did Reiki on her, it freaked me out so bad because I had never been that visual, right? Right. I was like, is what I'm seeing for me or is it for her? And it took me probably a week to tell Mm -hmm. her what I had seen in our session. And Mm -hmm. when I told her, she's like, oh, I know exactly where that is. And I was like, are you serious? And she was like, yeah. She was like, that's my favorite place. I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like, and her favorite place is it's down by Lake Powell. So it's all Mm -hmm. red rock and I could see the red rock. And what I saw that was so weird is like I was upside down and I could see water very slowly coming up past my eyes, past my nose, past my mouth, like as if you're diving in, right? right? And she told me, she's like, this is my favorite place. This is where I always go in the summer. And they do cliff jumping there. So she's diving into the water. And mm-hmm. I could see that. And I was like, that's freaking weird. And then I was like, I can never do Reiki again. Like, I was so freaked out by the whole thing. Yeah. And then, you know, like, baby stepping into it that I was like, okay, this is normal now. The weirdest stuff is when, like, when a, a an ancestor very clearly comes through. That's mm-hmm. still really weird for me because I'm like I have no reason to be able to see this stuff (laughs) and it doesn't make sense to me and that I think is probably the hardest part is that I can't make it make sense for myself right well and maybe that's for a reason because it's not for you right Right. like you're you're just the conduit to share the message you're just like the vessel that's seeing this thing and you're like I don't know what this means but here you go and that's like a true gift, like, especially when it resonates. It's, it's powerful stuff. I was going to say something else. Oh yeah. And I totally, I wonder what the visuals like mean, because I feel like you've done Reiki on me a couple times, like once mm-hmm. in person and then the rest like virtually, but I've always seen like colors. Mm. I, oh, I feel like whoever, and this goes back to maybe like the external versus internal, like how you receive information. Cause I feel like whoever I'm meeting with, I pick up different things. Mm -hmm. Like with you, 
I pick up colors and shapes, but I also do get sometimes a visual of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I met with Brandy who we had on a couple episodes ago and I had a private session with her and I actually saw a location that I've never been to, but I think I feed off of other people's energy maybe, or I, I think I pick up on other people's gifts that help me channel what I'm supposed to see, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. And I think that most people, if you're open, most people are going to have that experience. Like it's not going to be the same with everybody, but, but then also like everybody who practices Reiki and everybody who practices Akashic records, everybody who practices anything within this world of, you know, like woo woo or weird or spiritual stuff, Mm -hmm. we all bring our own element to it right? Like no two people do it exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So Brandy is attuned to Reiki. I am attuned to Reiki. She's done a lot of coaching work. I also do coaching work. And like we do a lot of things that are the same. We are completely different in how we execute those things. Right. And that's what I think is so potent. And, And here's where, again, we get kind of brushing up against that ego situation where like our ego tells us, there's not enough for everyone. And so there's this fierce competition. And and some of that I think is also like the witch wound and you know our, our sisterhood wound with other women. But in reality, there is no competition simply because of the fact that we all do it completely differently. You know, like right. I remember when I first started teaching Reiki, my husband asked me, he's like, isn't that gonna eliminate all your clients? And I was like, no because we all do it differently like whoever is coming to me is coming to me for the way that i give this you know work whoever is going to someone else is going for the way that they do their work and and we all have something different to bring so we Mm -hmm. all bring our own seasoning to the sauce essentially i love that and that's what's so cool you also bring in your past experiences too Mm -hmm. into how you want to help others heal right yeah and so i think the more people you have it's better because it's like if someone doesn't work for what you're searching for you can go to someone else who might have that connection right and it also you have to listen to your gut about who you're working with as well and it could go with reiki it could go with um coaching like you said it could also go with therapy right like yeah i mean kind of a side tangent but i know a lot of people get discouraged if they have to like shop for a therapist yeah and it's I understand why, like I've, I've never had to, like for whatever reason, I've always just vibed with the therapist I've had. I've only had two, but I've met with them for a long time and I just have a connection with them. So I'm fortunate that I haven't had to shop for a therapist, but I can understand how stressful that could be because you're like vulnerable Mm -hmm. with someone. Yeah. And then you're like, this isn't working out. And then it's like a breakup and it's like, you have all these feelings. It really is a process that you have to go through. And it's, it's hard, but you just have to listen to yourself about, and also know yourself too. know what works Mm -hmm. for you and know what doesn't and like stick to those boundaries. And yeah, yeah, that works in so many different facets of who you're working with and in life and things like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I have had to shop for a therapist before and it sucks mm-hmm. because like you said, like you you kind of bare your soul a little bit in those first couple sessions and then and then like something happens, you know, and and sometimes it's that 
maybe the way that they're looking at working with you is not matching up with the idea or the expectation that you had for that. Or right. maybe maybe that's outside the area of their expertise, but they don't know that until you really open up. And and it is hard, but I think in a, in a sense, it almost gives you good practice, right? For, for like sure. being vulnerable. And again, like we're coming back to the discussion of the ego, like being vulnerable is hard. When yeah. your ego is really active, it's so hard to like break down those walls and be like, no, like I'm just going to be whatever I am, especially if you have trauma or you have like anxiety or depression or like you have these wounds that you carry with you. And it's really hard to be vulnerable with other people. Oh, absolutely. And I think to go back to what you said earlier about accessing the Akashic records, if you are not in a place that you're already there. So like, mm -hmm. I'll just use me as an example. Like I'm going to therapy, I'm unpacking a lot of stuff, a lot of trauma that I went through. And by unpacking that and processing it and moving forward and like almost accepting the hardest parts of my situation, mm -hmm. I feel like I am opening those doorways to be able to access yeah. these records if I wanted to, because it's like, I'm facing this head on. I'm accepting yeah. what happened. I'm accepting the actions of other people and how it, like what happened to me. And you kind of get to a place of acceptance, forgiveness and all that. And that's how you get self-love. And that's how you open yourself up to these records. And you could possibly find out why this stuff happened to you through this. I'm guessing, I don't know, but I yeah. know the therapy aspect of it. And I know I'm working through that. So I would assume only that you can open yourself up once you've faced those. But if you're in a place where your life is perfect, like you're doing great, you're just, you're not even on this like spiritual plane. I feel like it's not really something you would easily access or even like you have to be curious and you have to be vulnerable and you have to be open. And if you're not, you're not going to be able to get what you want out of these situations. Yeah, I I think so. I think that, and honestly, like what even is happiness, right? Like I'm always going to ask these like really difficult questions. <laughs> That's my MO. That's how I exist. But like, is it real? You know, mm -hmm. like, is this happiness, like is your contentment with your life real? Mm -hmm. If you haven't done any work, on yourself if you haven't like worked through your inner child and like dealt with all of all of your shit in your life is that happiness real That's a good i point. don't think that it is and some of that comes from like you said my own experience i'm always going to call on that because it's what i know the only thing i know for sure is myself and in my experience like you can fake it till you make it but playing a character that isn't you ultimately mm -hmm. will lead you to dissatisfaction yeah. It does not bring you happiness, not real happiness, right? You can, and you can fake it. You can fake it for a long time, but eventually you're going to get burned out and exhausted. Yeah. And when you reach that point, now what? Yeah. And I think that that's why it's so critical to do this work. But I also don't want to discourage someone. Like if you need an answer to something, if you're trying to make sense of something that's heavy and deep and you feel like that's going to give you the answer, work with someone, have somebody mm -hmm. go in and read your record and, and work with you on that. It's not hard to do. You can definitely learn it for yourself. Like I mentioned before, Laura Coe, she has uh, a whole class series. It's, 
it's very accessible price wise. It's not super expensive and it will teach you how to access them for yourself. And I believe the first class is like 20 bucks. Oh, nice. That's totally really accessible, expensive. right? Yeah. No, yeah. that's awesome. I'll put the links to um, her classes and stuff in our show notes because I absolutely love the way that she approaches this work mm -hmm. because it is from that lens of um, accessibility and, and diversity, you know, being such a, a big piece of this puzzle. Absolutely. Having, having more people being able to do it doesn't make it less valuable, right? Right. No, for yeah. sure. And if it helps you, you're in a way helping the collective, right? Yes. Yes. 100%. So this is one more place that we're kind of diving into that dimensional work, right? So if every other person that exists on this planet is an extension of the self in the sense that we all have a soul. We all originate essentially from the same stuff, right? We're made up of the same elements. We all carry like the same organs in our bodies for the most part. We all have a human body made of flesh and bone and blood and like, you know, the same basic elements. Like we're all the same, but our experiences are so drastic, drastically different. And when we start looking at each other as an extension of self, it becomes impossible not to unconditionally love everyone mm -hmm. because you would never do something to someone else that would be like catastrophic when you wouldn't do that to yourself. But you can't do that if you don't know yourself, if you don't do your self work first, right? Right. Because the only people that I've ever met in my life that are destructive toward other people are also destructive toward the self. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> and and then like when as you go through this work, like you kind of get to a point where when you see those things happening, you start to feel compassion yes. toward these people where you can see what's happening, what they're doing in their life, how they're a lot of times it looks like self-destruct from the outside, right? And the projections on other people, which of course we're both going to be sensitive to as fifth lines. But all of those things don't take place when someone is a whole cohesive being. Mm -hmm. When they've done the work, when they understand, you know, like what they've been through, what the purpose of those things were, all of that stuff. And even if you don't understand the purpose, I think it's okay. But I think you really do have to do that work first. So I can see why people would caution against accessing your own records if you haven't done your own work because it's not, I mean, it's not going to make any sense, right? Right. So I will share before we wrap up, I will share the experience that I had. One thing that I've learned recently is once you've accessed something like this in one space, it becomes a lot easier to access it in another. So being that I have accessed the Akashic records through Reiki, through actually like just reading records, through my own inner work, you know, like all of these steps. Now, like I was in a situation where I was in a breathwork class and opened up my own Akashic records like totally by accident. I was not <laughs> expecting it. It was very mm -hmm. weird, but I've seen myself in this space many times mm -hmm. with, with my own records, right? To be in breathwork and then to open up my own record. I was holding my book of life in my hands and I saw it was like someone had taken a paintbrush or a paint marker and it was glittery and they had written all these symbols like down in this book that I'm holding. And as I'm holding this book, the symbols like kind of start to disappear. So whatever's happening in that breathwork class or whatever I was doing at that moment at that time in my life, it's clearing something 
right? Because this page is now blank. By the time the session was over, the page was empty. Mm-hmm. So, so something's happening. It's not nothing. But I, I don't know that I have the right perspective or the right words with my limited human language to be able to describe what's happening in this situation. Right. So I don't know. It's very interesting. That was a really cool experience. So if you have listened to our past episodes, you probably already know this. I talk about it a lot. Um, and if you follow me on Instagram or anything, you probably know this too because I talk about it there. But ancestor work is a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of that. Um, most of the time when we're in Reiki session, a lot of times that's what's coming through is yeah. – ancestor work that needs to be done stuff that's being cleared sometimes it's stuff that you're already doing and you don't even realize it and sometimes it's someone who's coming through who's supporting you who's like pushing you into your next steps right that they're kind of pushing you along and like helping you connect the dots so to speak Mm -hmm. i think that it's so fascinating and so to look back at who I was like five years ago and I never would have imagined being in this space and doing these things and like mm-hmm. having access to all of this. But but who knew? Like I was laying the foundation for all of this. Right. To be able to do this stuff. And it's like I've, I've kind of been in that space all day today because I did the research for this episode last night. And then, of course, this morning I was doing my sun exposure that I do almost every morning. And and just feeling like really overwhelmed and connected to what it is that we're going to be talking about. Like this is so powerful and it has the potentiality to really help a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. So anyway, sorry, that was kind of rambly and long, but feels important. So it's coming out. (laughs) Why don't you tell the listeners about your newest, I'll say challenge on Instagram, what you've been doing almost every day or every other day. Yes. So I have a hard time knowing exactly what to talk about. I know a lot of stuff. I mean, that's evident. It comes through all the time. People will be like, she knows the answer. Like, and, and I don't always know the answer, but I know how to ask the question. And I've always taken upon myself like to learn new things. I'm a lifelong learner. I always will be. That's the first line. You know, it's, it's in my profile. It makes perfect sense to me. I have a lot of random facts and knowledge like rolling around up in my big brain. And (laughs) so I asked my husband, I was like, how am I supposed to talk about all of this stuff? Like, I don't know where to start. That's always the problem. And it's easiest for me if I have something to respond to. Hello, sacral authority, right? So (laughs) he was like, why don't you, this is like, this is why everybody needs projectors in their lives so that they can have someone who like looks at how they do things and tells them a better way. He was like, why don't you just write down subjects that you know a lot of stuff about and put them in a jar and just pull a question out every day and just talk about whatever's on the piece of paper. And I was like, okay, that might work. And I've been doing it and it's been awesome. It's been really fun to be able to talk about that stuff. And I always try to hold the perspective that my experience is not the only experience Mm -hmm. and that I'm willing to be wrong. Like that's the hardest part. That's the ego. The ego doesn't Mm want to be wrong, but Mm -hmm. I'm willing to be wrong. Like I'm willing to be misunderstanding of information or not having the full picture or, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, it's just quick. It's, I usually post it in my stories. I'm trying to figure out a better way to do it. If anybody has any ideas, 
I'm open to hearing it. But uh, yeah, we just I just post it on my stories and we talk about one subject. It's not been every day. I'm not great at consistency. I never have been. And I don't know that I am interested in being super consistent because like I said, I'm only posting it to my stories. I don't think it's really <laughs> helping with the algorithm and all that business, but um, but it's interesting and it's fun to me. And so I'm just going to keep doing it. But I also leave it open at the end for people to ask more questions about different subjects. And I have a pretty full jar right now of things to talk about, which is cool. So I'm excited about it. It's been really fun so far. Sometimes the the question, the last one that I covered was the chakra system. And that one's actually kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Because I was trying to recall all the information from my brain. And that's that's the challenge of this is that it's on the spot. It's an on-the-spot question. I don't get a chance to research it. Right. So it puts me in that space of like I have to let go of my ego. I have to mm -hmm. be willing to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And also trust cool. yourself at the same time. Yeah. That's the hard part. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe I misremembered this. Oh, I might like I might be way wrong. <laughs> all that self-doubt. Yeah. Yeah, it's a son of a gun sometimes. That's the thing I think I wrestle with the most mm -hmm. is self-doubt. Even even reading somebody's record, like even when I go in. Mm -hmm. um, we have somebody on the Patreon that I do work with pretty consistently. And I went into her record and like everything that I saw, I was like, what if this is all just bullshit? What if I'm <laughs> just making this up? You know, like that's that's my ego. That's what it always says. It's always like, oh, you're just making stuff up like this isn't real, whatever, right? It's right. always that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, but it is because it resonates with the other person. It has nothing to do with me. Exactly. So then yeah. I become that cable that connects the battery to the light bulb. And that's mm -hmm. all That's all I get to be in that situation. I don't get to determine what you do with that information. I can only right. give you what's coming through. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's do a quick recap of just some points. So... Mm -hmm. To drop into this space, it's meditation. You got to meditate. On the interview, I it said something about like asking for permission. Do you think you need to yes. ask for permission? Okay. So you yes, have to ask for I believe permission you do. to see your records. And then what do you do when you're in that space? What's the next step? So when you're in that space, I think, especially if you're going to access your own record, I think you need to record yourself. Which, like, you know... Like on camera, audio. Or audio? Yeah, oh, okay. just audio. Because otherwise, like, you, if you're in a meditative space, it's really hard to like pop yourself out and write down notes, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a lot easier to just record audio of you speaking to what you're seeing. And most of the time, it goes really quickly. When you're in that space, you get those visuals and it's super fast. So, whatever you can speak out loud as quick as possible. That's mm -hmm. going to be what you get out of it afterward. So really just like capturing the audio of what you're doing when you're there, what you see, what you experience, what you feel, what you hear, smell, all of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So then let's say you're in that space. You've seen what you need to see. Do you have a, a technique to get yourself out of that space and back to reality, so to speak? Yeah. I think that it's important to always end with gratitude because okay. – there are times where you're going to try to access that and you're not going to get anything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that book is closed and you can't get in. I think that that's the most important thing is to be able to close with gratitude. And and another th really beautiful thing about the way Laura Co teaches the access of this is she has like a whole 
um, process for getting in a whole, it's like a script of, of how you get into the records, how you access everything, and then how you close up when you're finished. And that's the method that I like to use. I've kind of adopted it and then uh, made my own adjustments to it. So that's my own, of course. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she does a beautiful job of, of breaking that down and explaining it and making it really digestible. It's not super long. It's right. very easy. And as you go through repetition, of course, it's going to become easier to do. But really, like you need to be in a place that's quiet and, and peaceful and just set up your space. If you can't drop into that meditative space, you're not going to be able to access. Mm -hmm. Do you suggest listening maybe to like a guided meditation or just that frequency sound? Um, I think either is helpful. I think that a guided meditation, if you're new to meditating, that might be helpful to get into the right headspace. But mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that you need that. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think that's necessary to get there. You could just put on like some self-edgio and like hang out for a minute and just clear your mind, you know, mm -hmm. and and get into that space where now you are in the resonance of what meditation feels like, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And going back, I think it said to like have that have an intention. Yes. Um, for what you're trying to access or see, something like that. So go into that meditative state with an intention in mind. And like you said, you may not get anything or you may get what you're looking for. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Intention is everything. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're doing anything with like meditation, Reiki, whatever, like even if you're going to receive a Reiki session, going in with an intention of what you would like to work on, that's going to make the whole process go a lot better. The thing about a lot of this work is like you may go in with an intention of something, but make sure it's not an expectation. There is a difference between these things. An intention is something that you have control of. An expectation is something that's on someone else. Mm -hmm. So make sure it's not an expectation. An intention is something that you would say like, I really would like to, maybe you're going in for closure. I would like closure to X, Y, or Z, right? And when you get in there, like it might not make sense. Like what you find in there might not make sense at first because mm -hmm. remember we're accessing this information that's in like the eighth dimension with our four dimensional brain. Mm -hmm. Like it's not always going to make sense. Sometimes it's going to be like, what the hell was that? Like you come <laughs> out and like you have no answers and there's no closure. And then over time it will shape the way you look at the situation. And that's where the closure comes from. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your services through Patreon? Because if I remember, do you offer some Reiki sessions? I don't remember. Yes. Did you change some stuff up? Yeah, I did change some stuff up. Um, I do have those through Patreon. I have a Reiki session and tarot and coaching that um, you can access through whichever tier makes the most sense. But I also just have a page of all my services. And Akashic Records is not something that I have listed there. And the reason for that is because I already have so many things on there that I'm like, it's one more thing. Like, it's really hard, you know, to pinpoint that. But if somebody ever wanted to do that work, they would just have to contact me and I could set something up for them. You could set it up as like a coaching call and just say that you want the Akashic Records done or whatever. I never really know what's going to be most beneficial for someone until I sit with them. Yeah. And then I kind of feel my way into it, which is hard sometimes. 
with people that I know, it's a lot easier. Like when we do work together, I'm like, oh yeah, I can feel like kind of what's off with you mm -hmm. and it's a lot easier, but with people that I don't know, it's a lot harder. So, I mean, you can book whatever, whatever kind of session you want and we'll just adapt it to whatever it needs to be. I just, mm -hmm. I like to be able to pull from whatever tools are necessary. So if you book like a coaching call, I'm obviously going to bring tarot cards and we're going <laughs> to look at that stuff. And like, yeah. if you need records, we'll look at records. And if you need like a little bit of Reiki, we'll do some Reiki. I'm not, I'm not closed off to like whatever options I have available, like tools in my toolbox. But yeah, you know, I just, it, it's really hard to list those things out as separate things when I know that they're all going to come in to a session. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll be sure to link all of those resources in the show notes and in our blog post. So if you wanted to schedule an appointment with Sheena, you totally can. She's amazing. And I get a lot out of your session. So maybe I'll have to book one for Akashic Records because I think I'm I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll dive in. <laughs> and if anybody listening has any questions about this or feedback about this episode, please send us an email weirdlifestylepod at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what your thoughts about this are. Have you had experience with this? You know, I want to I wanna hear everybody's opinions. It's my open head talking. I love all the perspectives. So absolutely. Yeah. Be part of our conversation. We would love to hear from you. And that's all I got. That's all I got for today. I'm excited for the next one. The next one's going to be fun. So yeah. We usually don't tease the next episode because we switch things up, but I am so jazzed about this. I have to talk about it. Our next episode, episode 15, we're going to be looking at our top three favorites. We're going to be looking at our three favorite shows and what the main character's Zodiac signs are going to be. I've already started like prepping. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one step ahead of me. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun one. It's a little bit of a lighter episode. We just yeah. feel like we've been on a heavy kick lately. So it's something to just kind of break up the heaviness and it'll be just fun and goofy and I'm excited for it. So yeah, that's all I got. Write into us, rate, comment, review, subscribe, all the things, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.